0: For such a time as this, those were the words that were spoken to Esther by her cousin Mordecai. It was a time when Esther was, well, she was a Jewish girl. She was taken into captivity, uh, no doubt she's in Persia. And uh, she is exalted to the position of queen. And uh, because of that, she has influence to the king, and uh, Mordecai made and reminded her of the statement that maybe you were brought to this position of power and influence for such a time as this, and she was able to uh, affect the salvation of the Jewish people during that time of persecution. It's that statement that the elders have decided to make as a theme for our year this year, For such a time as this, it's the concept or the concept behind that is a reflection on the life of Esther and how that God can use ordinary people uh, to do things that no one would ever think possible. Maybe God has brought us to this point, to this congregation for such a time as this. Maybe he has plans in your life that if you allow yourself to be used by him and take a risk like Esther did, that he'll be able to accomplish great things. That's what we want you to continue to pray for this year. Pray that God will use you in his providential uh, wisdom as a tool in his hand where you can partner with God and Because, not because you're great or because you have special capabilities that place you above anybody else, but because you are who you are, just a a willing tool in the hands of an almighty God. He can use you. And uh, we're looking right now at people that are lost in the credits. Uh, Those thoughts or the thoughts of these sermons are intended to, to go along with this theme that God has in the past and He will continue uh, to use people who make themselves available to Him. They're ordinary people. They don't have any uh, power necessarily or position. You probably don't even remember them. But the fact that God has written something about them and they of all the billions of people that lived and walked on the face of this earth to have been included in this book that gives us a sampling of history You've done something. And there are people in this book that have been lost in the credits, but God deems very valuable. When you go to the movies, you see those credits that scroll at the end. That's usually when we're getting up and walking out or or on television. And we don't really care who the associate producer was and who the cameraman was and cameraman two and, and on down that long list. But without those people who are buried in the credits that movie would not have become a reality. And there are people in the history of the world, in God's providence, who have been lost in the credits, but they accomplish great things. And if they can, the point is, we can. We talked about the sons of Korah a few weeks ago. They had an ungodly father, but they overcame him and became great. We sing songs uh, about them. Uh, written by them, uh, they're still affecting people people of God thousands of years after their life uh, has ended. Ordinary men, but used in God's service. Last week we talked about be- uh, Bezalel and Aholiab, two men who were artisans. God used those men in a period of wilderness wandering where you wouldn't think there would be much use for an artisan, but God used them to fashion the Ark of the Covenant, all those, those uh, items that were associated with the worship of Israel in the tabernacle, they created those. And while no one remembers their names, we sure do know what they did and the value they had to Israel. Well, tonight, er, today, I want us to look at another person. His name is Micaiah. Who is Micaiah? What has he done? Now, if I were to ask you, uh, give me five of the most important prophets that you know of in the Bible, we might get answers like uh, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Samuel, Jeremiah. If I said, okay, well, give me five more. We might start down the the prophetic books, Uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, well, Jeremiah wrote Lamentations, Ezekiel. Daniel, Hosea, Joe Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Okay, when you get done with those, give me another one. Would Micaiah make your list? I don't know that he would. Here's a prophet of God that I think has been buried in the credits, and I think it would do us well to go back and be strengthened by going back and looking at this story. Let me give you a brief Overview of his his account, what we know about him, and then we'll make some practical application. Micaiah lived in the days of King Ahab. King Ahab was a wicked king. In fact, I I hope you have your Bible. Open it up just for a second to 1 Kings chapter 21, and I want you to read this divine commentary on the life of Ahab. It sure isn't what you want God to say of you. In 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 25. The Lord said there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness. I, there's a lot of wicked people in the Bible and a lot of people have given them over to sin, themselves over to sin. But God says of King Ahab, no one's like him. He has totally sold out to wickedness. I don't know of any description given of any other man in the Bible that parallels this condemnation of this king. And he's the king of God's people, Israel. Well, Israel had peace with Syria for a few years, and Ahab went down to Judah and met with Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. Jehoshaphat met with Ahab. And they had a discussion, and in the course of the discussion, Ahab says, You know, Ramoth Gilead, you know, that's our city, and Syria has it. And that's just not right. And if you're upset by that, will you join forces with me, and we'll go take that city back because it belongs to us anyway? And Jehoshaphat answers and says, Listen, my people are your people, and uh, my army is your army. So um, I'm ready to go with you. If that's what you want to do, you count us as your allies. But I want to hear what the prophets say before we enter into this venture. I want to know what God thinks. So Ahab calls 400 prophets in Israel together. And they say, tell us, should we go to battle? All 400 of those prophets said, absolutely, we are to go to battle. One of the prophets made these horns like a, the horns of a bull, and, and I can imagine maybe him coming and standing before the kings and getting down like a bull and holding those up to his head and saying, we're going to be just like a bull that just runs in here and runs these Syrians out of here and we take our city back, God is with us, and All these four hundred men say, "Absolutely, let's do it." And Jehoshaphat asks one more question. He said, "Is there any other prophets? Have we overlooked anybody?" That's when Ahab said, "Well, there is one more guy, but I hate him because every time we ask him something, he tells something bad. He prophesies evil against me, and, and I just I can't stand this guy." His name was Micaiah. And Jehoshaphat said, Well, let us inquire of him and see what he has to say. And then we'll, we'll do whatever the Lord says. Well, they go to Micaiah, and the initial thing they say to Micaiah is, Listen, all 400 prophets are on board. I want you to know that up front. So when you prophesy, don't go mess stuff up for us. We've got everybody saying the same thing. So when you prophesy, you make sure you say the right thing. And Micaiah says, I can only prophesy what the Lord says. And so he goes into the king and they say, well, what is it, Micaiah? What, is, what has the Lord told you? And Micaiah says to the king, go. The Lord will prosper you. You'll be victorious. It'll be a great victory. But then the king says this, I, tell me the truth. Now, why would a prophet of God not tell the truth? I mean, the Lord doesn't want them to go, so why would Micaiah just lie? Well, by reading, it would sound like he just told a lie. He said, go ahead and go. You have the Lord's blessing when he didn't have the blessing at all. And that's, I guess, one of the drawbacks of reading. But you can tell from the, the comment that the king makes, like, quit jerking my chain and tell me the truth that there had to have been some sarcasm in his voice. Have you ever had a, a child, you know, maybe, maybe. Um, well, I can remember when I was a kid, my mom had me do a couple things that I didn't really want to do, and she came back and said, did you have fun? I was like, yeah, mom, had a blast. Uh, I didn't mean that. And she knew I didn't mean it because I said it with such sarcasm, it was obvious that I meant the opposite. I think that's exactly what we have here with the prophet of God. When he says, well, shall we go? And Micaiah says, yeah, go on. You're going to be victorious. It's all going to be great. You're going to prosper. I, I can hear him saying that with such a tone that makes the king, he keys, on, keys in on it and says, no, I, I want you to tell me the truth. And then Micaiah says, listen, here's what's going to happen. The king is going to be killed and Israel will be scattered like sheep on the hillside without a shepherd. And then Ahab says, see, I told you, I hate this guy. Every time he opens his mouth, he says something bad about me. I, I knew we shouldn't have asked him. And he had him put in prison because of his prophecy. Well, now, what eventually happens is they go ahead and go in spite of his warning, and Ahab is killed, and uh, they they suffer because of that. But now, here's what I want us to look at. I want to look at a couple practical applications from Micaiah and uh, see if we can learn some things that help us to see how that God can use just ordinary people, people lost in the credits, to do great things. And the first point I want you to see is that though Micaiah, he was determined to speak only what the Lord said. When uh, turning your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse 14, well, verse 13 The messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Micaiah had the resolve to only speak what the Lord spoke, even though... He was in the minority. It's hard to speak the truth when everybody is against you, when you stand alone. First um, Peter chapter four and verse eleven, Peter says, "If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God." We're not to just preach our own message. When Jonah went to to the city of Nineveh to preach, he preached the message that the Lord bade him to preach. He didn't preach his own thing. We need men who will stand up and preach the Word of God. Not opinion, not popular thought, not what's politically correct, but to preach the Word of God. And I know that there will come a time, and there probably is a time right now, when people don't want to hear truth. They would much rather prefer something uh, that tickles their ears, reminiscent of first. Timothy, or Second Timothy, chapter four and verse three, Paul commands us to preach the word, be incident in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they'll turn from the truth and turn to fables, because that's that's just what they want. They want the fable rather than the truth. In Jeremiah's days, in Jeremiah chapter 5, in verse 31, there's the statement made of how the prophets prophesy falsely and the people, they love to have it so. I don't necessarily want to know what the truth is. I just want to be made to feel good about what I'm doing. He was a man who said, I'm only going to speak the truth. That's probably why he was hated, because he spoke the truth to men who were living in rebellion against the truth. We need to have the resolve to withstand whatever pressures come to bear against us, to always, in love, speak the truth and don't ever compromise. Here's the second thing about Micaiah that I think is noteworthy, is that he had a godly reputation Back in verses seven through eight, do you remember what the king said of him? Jehoshaphat said, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here whom he may, whom we may inquire of? And the king said, well, yeah, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but you know, he, he always prophesies against me. Here's a man who had a reputation that King Ahab knew. You know, Jehoshaphat didn't know this prophet at all. But King Ahab, he knew his character. And he knew that he wasn't just going to go along with what everybody said. He knew that he would speak the truth. And, boy, isn't that good? To have the reputation that when you speak, people believe what you say. And they know where you're going to come down. We need to have that kind of reputation. It's possible for us to destroy our reputation among others by being wishy-washy and, and well, when I get over here, I'm going to act this way with this group. When I get over here, I'm going to act this way with this group because I've got to play my my crowd. If that's the way we do, we lose all credibility and integrity. Here's a man who would stand up and he would preach and tell the truth to the point that the king, before he ever heard what he said, he said, I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to say. We need to be people who, by those who know us, they know what we're going to say before we ever have to say it. They know that it doesn't matter if it involves our family or if it involves people we love, our friends, that we're always going to come down on the side of truth and it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. That's the kind of man he was. He was also a man that was hated for his stand for the truth. You know what? I like people like me. Every once in a while somebody will say something it's ugly and hateful, and uh, I don't like that. That that bothers me. Um, you can't stop it. I mean, everybody has their own personality, and some people will not like other people and so forth. But when somebody just absolutely has this hatred toward me, I had a lady one time, she was mad at me, and she called me a long-legged hypocrite. Well, <laughs> that was the first time I'd been called a long-legged hypocrite. Uh, and I didn't like that. But I went to visit her and, and I treated her like I always did. But uh, she didn't like me. It's not fun to have people that don't like you. But folks, that's just a fact of life. I had another person tell me one time, he just said, I don't like you. And it took me back and I said, why? And, and he said, you smile too much. <laughs> well, what, what, what are you to do with that? You can't, you can't make everybody happy. You can't make everybody like you. There will always be people that hate you, but i tell you, I don't want my desire to be liked to impact my preaching. I don't want, in order to appease people and to make friends and keep friends, I don't want to compromise what the truth of God's word says. And if I get to that point, I I don't need to stand before anybody and proclaim the message of God. My loyalty has to be to God first. And if that makes me hated by people, then they'll just have to hate me. And, well, I'll take solace in the fact that they hated my Savior. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19. He said, if the world hates you, (laughs) know that it hated me too. It hated me before it hated you. If you're going to be my disciple, they will hate you because they hated me because you're not of the world. And, and when you're not of the world, you stand out and your life of light exposes their, light of dark, their life of darkness and they'll hate you for it. I can't allow that to change who I am and who I serve. The Bible also tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. You're blessed if that happens to you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for so persecuted they the prophets, the Lord said. Micaiah was a man who was hated for his stand. But he stood anyway. There may be people that just absolutely do not like what we stand for. They don't like to hear a message that involves salvation being God making it available and us responding, that we have a response, a responsibility. Uh, they, They maybe would like it all on God's part. They may not like a message that says that if we're not careful and give diligence or due diligence, we might fall and miss out on our heavenly home that we once held in our possession. They'd rather believe that we can't lose it. And there are a host of other things that people might not like about what we teach and what we believe that is biblical. But in order to keep friends, I can't change that. I have to be true to that, and Micaiah was. And finally, he was courageous though he was in the minority. Don't just read this as a story. Put yourself in the position. Let's suppose I'm teaching a Bible class right now, and I say, now, how many of you think this? And I ask you to raise your hand. Nobody raises their hand. I say, how many think this? And one person raises their hand. They're the only one. Have you ever done that in Bible class? You want to raise your hand, but you look around to see... If somebody else raises their hand first and and if if you see the majority of the hands going up, you'll go ahead and raise yours. But oh, who has the nerve to be the only one in a room full of 400 people to raise your hand and say, that's what I believe is right. Micaiah was the man. 400 prophets in Israel said, do it. Go. God will bless you. And Micaiah is the only man that said, no, he won't. It's a mistake. Don't go. It's wrong. It's possible that um, we find ourselves tempted to go along with the crowd sometimes, to rationalize. Uh, in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 2, you remember the Lord said that it is not right or we shall not Follow a crowd to do evil. We can't do that. Even when we stand alone. A Number of years ago, oh, about fifteen years ago now, there was in the NCAA uh, championship for cross country. It was it was the uh, the championship. They what what they do in cross country is they have certain places marked off and the course marked out, and then they do a walk through before you run the race. And some courses get a little confusing because you go this way and cut back across and you you have trails. And it's sometimes confusing to keep it all straight. Well, this was the NCAA championship in cross-country. The best young men in college age are running for the national championship. They start... And uh, because they're all so good, they all just kind of run in a pack. You know, nobody's really separated from the pack. And, and they're running, and they come to a place where they can turn left or right, and the whole group turns right except for one guy. He peels off the the pack. He actually stopped and said, Guys, guys, you're running the wrong way. It's this direction. Nobody listened to him. What would you do? If you were the only one, all these guys have done a walkthrough and you're the only one that thinks you should turn left and everybody else went right. He didn't turn around and follow the crowd. He ran by himself. I'm sure he had doubts along the way that maybe he had made a terrible mistake and is going to be the goat when he gets done. But you know what? He's the only one that made the right decision. He won and became the champion that year of uh, cross-country in our nation because he, he stood alone, didn't follow a crowd. There are multitude of examples of people who are in the majority, but they're wrong. That's not a sign of being right. The sign of being right is to make sure God's on your side. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? You may feel like sometimes you're alone. You're the only person that has the convictions you have, the only person that has the values you have. Everybody else seems to do it. They don't have any problem with it. They're they're not embarrassed by it. And and you sometimes may feel like a Puritan trying to live this lifestyle because, man, am I the only one that thinks this way? Am I the only one that does this? Am I the only one trying to keep my children to do this, that, or the other? When everybody else is, is it worth it? Do I Do I need to back off? Do I need to do truth, do what's right, and don't follow a multitude to do evil. If God is for you and if you're following God's path, you're right. And you're not really in the minority because God is on your side and that's all that matters. Matthew chapter 10, verse 9, we're reminded that if we will lose our life for his sake, we will find it. Here's a prophet of God. Nobody remembers. He's lost in the credits. But he had an encounter with the king of Israel on one occasion, and it was costly. When he got done, he was thrown in prison. And I don't know of any passage that says that everything worked out and he lived happily ever after. I I don't know of that passage either. But he was a man who allowed God to use him to be a spokesman for God, to stand up before the king and others and say, this is right and this is wrong. And I may be the only one saying it's wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway because God revealed this to me. I want us to have that kind of courage. I want us to be a prophet like this prophet who was lost in the credits. I want us to stand alone if that's what it takes. I want us to speak the truth in love. I don't ever want to compromise the Word of God. I want to help people to know the truth because error and sin, it may make you feel good, but it doesn't deliver you. It won't take you where you want to go. The truth of the matter is, Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, "...the truth shall set you free." And that's true today as much as it was when he said it. If you're here this morning and you've not yet obeyed the truth, that's what you need to do. And to make a commitment to follow truth with your passion, with your life. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's the truth. If you haven't obeyed that truth, Obey it today. We'll assist you in that. And from that point on, live the rest of your life in pursuit of truth. No matter where truth takes me, I'm going to follow it. And if it means I stand alone, if it means I lose my friends, if it means people hate me, I am going to follow truth. Listen, the end of that kind of life will wind you up in heaven. And if that's where you want to go, then I encourage you to pursue that that course of life. If you need to respond to the invitation this morning, won't you come as we stand together and sing?